Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. I'm dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything. Yes, everything. In racing that happened in the last week, we'll discuss the latest news and cap it all off with a star-studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer, because this is Speed Zone. And welcome, everybody, to Speed Zone on this Wednesday evening. Huntington, West Virginia. I'm Ben Cower, your host. You can probably hear it in my voice. It's not quite as, uh, uh, doesn't have quite as much gusto as the intro today. I'm feeling a little under the weather, but you know what? The show must go on. We've got plenty of racing action to talk about from this past week and weekend, and then stuff to set up for this upcoming week, because there's plenty of ongoing action in the racing world. Uh, some shocking news in NASCAR today, which we'll be talking about, that, that involves RCR. We'll be talking about Homestead, some Formula One discussion, and also the Mountaineer 100 at Ona Speedway this weekend. So plenty to talk about on this episode of Speed Zone. And in just a moment, let's get things started here with Flag to Flag. Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. So let's begin the Flag to Flag segment tonight with last Saturday. It was the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series at Homestead Miami Speedway that kicked everything off. Again, last weekend in NASCAR action, the winner was Carson Hosevar. Of note, again, Hosevar secured his first Truck Series Championship 4 appearance with that victory on Saturday, but the number 42 Nice, Motorbo no, nice Motorsports Chevrolet into the lead with just 11 laps remaining and held off a hard-charging Zane Smith who was later disqualified uh, by over two and a half seconds to take home that victory over last, uh, last year's champion in Smith. And the disqualification of Smith after the race eliminated him from Final Four contention, uh, and it put, or it moved uh, Thor Sport Racing's Ben Rhodes into the runner-up position on the afternoon, which helped Rhodes advance to the playoffs final round again at Phoenix in two weeks, uh, prevailing in that tiebreaker with rookie Nick Sanchez of the two-truck missing out on the final four off of an awful tiebreaker. Sanchez on the outside looking in, he'll finish at least fifth so far this season. In the point standings, the pole sitter, again, Sanchez was, uh, finished 17th, making contact with another truck coming to pit road for his final stop. So your final four for Phoenix in the truck series, It'll be Corey Heim, Carson Hosevar, Grant Enfinger, and Ben Rhodes, who are all going to race for a championship on November 3rd Phoenix. Ty Majeski, Zane Smith, uh, Nick Sanchez, and Christian Eckes, all eliminated from playoff contention. <coughs> Excuse me. Now on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series, also at Homestead Miami Speedway, in a NASCAR doubleheader on Saturday. The winner, Sam Mayer, finally claimed his first career NASCAR Xfinity Series oval race victory. He's been dominant on the road courses this year, but finally a win on the ovals. In the second half, again, of a NASCAR doubleheader at Homestead Miami Speedway on Saturday. After 300 miles, he bested 
former race winner Riley Herbst just two weekends ago won at Las Vegas' first ever career win. Bested Herbst by a mere 2.27 seconds. So it was a close finish. Herbst was charging at the end but could not catch the number one of Sam Mayer. Marks the Junior Motorsports driver's uh, fourth series victory of the season. Again, the uh, first of his Xfinity Series career on an oval. Uh, Cole Custer, also teammate of Riley Herbst, finished well. Custer won stage one and dominated about 114 of the race's 200 laps, but suffered a tire problem with 50 laps remaining and dropped a lap down after hitting the outside wall and blowing a tire. Rallied back to finish 13th after an impressive early race, but now Custer and Austin Hill are tied three points above the elimination line heading into next week's round of eight finale at the half-mile Martinsville Speedway in Virginia. Nemechek holds a healthy 44-point lead, John, uh, John Hunter, that is, 44-point edge and lead above the cut line. Justin Allgaier is on the outside looking in. He's three points behind Hill and Custer heading to Martinsville. And Sammy Smith in sixth place, Sheldon Creed in seventh, Chandler Smith in eighth. They are way back, and they're essentially going to need to win at Martinsville to have a shot at the title. So your, five, your top five in the Xfinity Series race at Homestead, Sam Mayer in first, Riley Herbst for Stuart Haas in second, John Hunter Nemechek continues his string of good finishes for Joe Gibbs Racing in P3, Austin Hill for RCR in fourth, and Dale Earnhardt Jr., his second of two races this year in the Xfinity Series, had a little bit of contact with teammate Josh Barry early in the race and barely made contact with him off the exit of turn two, but sent Barry into the fence. Jr. recovered, albeit some damage on the right side of his car, to finish in P5. Now on to the Arkham Menard Series West at Madera Speedway on Saturday, and it was Caden Honeycutt. Just like when he made his West Series debut a few weeks ago at All-American, Honeycutt dominated the 150-mile race from beginning to end and recorded the fastest lap in practice and then qualified on the outside pole. This is exactly what he did at All-American. His second win and his third West Series start, Steve McGowan's 17 Chevy. Rod, thanks to his strength on a series of restarts uh, throughout the event, and his second West Series win comes in his ninth start on the Arca Menard Series platform. Also has six Arca starts dating all the way back to 2018. Uh, but your top five in the Madeira's, or at Madeira Speedway for the Arca Menard Series was just one race remaining. Caden Honeycutt in first, Todd Souza in second, Joey Est in third, Bradley Erickson in P4, and Sean Hingarani, uh, the points leader in P5. For the Cars Tour at Tri-County, of which we'll be talking about later in this program as a uh, subject, but it was a dramatic weekend once again in the Cars Tour. Pro Late Models winner was Caden Kavapel, but there's an asterisk there after uh, some drama late. But Kavapel first, Chase Berta in second, Brandon Setzer in third. And then your Late Model Stock Car winner was Brendan Butterbean Queen. And on Saturday night for Lee Pulliam, Mason Diaz for Chad Bryant in second, and Landon Hoffman for Nelson Motorsports in P3, who won a Tri-County earlier this year in August. Uh, in Formula 1, it was uh, the United States Grand Prix, the Circuit of the Americas. Max Verstappen should be no surprise. He won yet again for Red Bull. Lando Norris in second. And Carlos Sainz Jr. in third for Ferrari. And of note, again, Norris grabbed the lead uh, from Charles Leclerc and... Uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton early on, but both were disqualified after the race by the FIA. Hamilton finished second and Leclerc finished fifth. Again, both disqualified by the stewards after the cars were found to fail compliance checks governing the skid blocks. Basically, the cars were too dang low. Uh, Circuit of the Americas in Austin, it's a bumpy track, and the Red Bull of Max Verstappen was just high enough to pass it. Uh, inspection, that is, and uh, for Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc, not good enough. So it was Verstappen in first, Landon Norris in second for McLaren again. 
Carlos Sainz Jr. in third for Ferrari. Now on to the NASCAR Cup Series at Homestead Miami Speedway on Sunday. And your winner was Christopher Bell for Joe Gibbs Racing. You can call him Clutch Christopher because you know what? The Joe Gibbs Racing driver rallied from a frustrating start to lead the final 16 laps of Sunday's Forever 400 uh, presented by Mobile One and Homestead to earn a second straight appearance into the NASCAR Cup Series Championship 4. Bell made only his first appearance inside the top five on track with less than 50 laps remaining. Uh, is not the closer. He denied that after the race. said that's Kevin Harvick's title, but Bell has certainly been the closer the past two years. Again, the uh, second win of the season for the number 20 car, sixth of his cup career in the first of the season's eight playoff races to date so far. He led Ryan Blaney fellow playoff driver who led 53 laps to the checkers by just over a second and a half. And then all in the final 60 laps, Kyle Larson, who led a race-high 96 laps, ran into the sand barrels at the end of pit road, misjudging his speed just a tad to uh, chomp off some of then-leader Ryan Blaney's lead on pit entry, and uh, Pyle drove his right front fender into the sand barrels on pit entry to uh, block the cars from hitting and running straight into a wall. Larson totaled his car enough because of that uh, for him to park it in the garage, and it ended his day. Denny Hamlin right after that, and regular season champion Martin Truex Jr. then both fell out of the race with major problems off the next restart. Hamlin's number 11 Toyota uh, slammed into the turn one wall after a close and aggressive battle with Ryan Blaney on the restart, and some uh, words traded after the race. And then uh, as the field slowed for that caution, Martin Trix Jr. turned down pit road shockingly as his motor expired under yellow. And after the race, Larson and Bell locked themselves into the finale with wins in the round of eight. William Byron is 30 points to the good. And Ryan Blaney, currently 10 points above the cut line between fourth and fifth place. On the outside looking in, Tyler Reddick, 10 points back. He's fifth. Excuse me, regular season champion Martin Trix Jr. is 17 points back after a rough uh, set of races in the playoffs. His Joe Gibbs Racing teammate, Denny Hamlin, also 17 points back. And Chris Buescher is going to need a miracle at Martinsville to make the Final Four. He's 43 points back in eighth place of eight cars remaining for the championship four. Uh, the NASCAR Cup Series is going to decide its title two weeks from now in Phoenix. Finally, tonight, the World of Outlaws at Devil's Bowl Speedway in Mesquite, Texas for just one more time as uh, Devil, Devil's Bowl Speedway sadly closing up after the series of races this past weekend. Again, for the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Stampede. Your top three in race number one was Carson Macedo, David Gravel in P2, and Brad Sweet in third place. And then on Saturday, race number two, David Gravel. Improved from second place on Friday to P1 on Saturday. James McFadden, runner-up in that race. And Donnie Schatz, P3 of uh, that field. Again, in the final race ever at Devil's Bowl Speedway for the World of Outlaws, which is where the World of Outlaws began. Its first ever race was at Devil's Bowl Speedway. So, that's a shame to hear. But it was a busy weekend in racing. Uh, we got plenty more to talk about because up next, it's going to be What's Up This Week. It's the best segment of the show where I get to tell you, the racing fan at home or wherever you might be listening to, uh, this show. What's the heck is up this week in racing action? Because there's a lot that's going to go on uh, through Thursday all the way through Sunday. So we'll take a quick break here and more up next here on Speed Zone. <laughs> As a professional soccer player, I know how rewarding sports can be and how quickly injuries happen. 
So I've teamed up with the American Association of Orthodontists to ask athletes to play it safe. With my years of training, I know what it takes to become an expert, and orthodontists do too. They're the experts who help people obtain healthy, beautiful smiles. Wear mouth guards, face masks, and helmets to prevent injuries. Keep smiling and visit braces.org. And welcome back to Speed Zone here on this Wednesday night. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and it's time, or it's that time of the week. It's What's Up This Week, the best segment of the show where, I, again, I get to tell you what the heck is up this week in the world of racing, starting out with Thursday. That's right, just one more day until racing action begins this weekend. Stretching that term a little bit, really during this week. Kicking off the racing weekend is the NASCAR Wheeland Modifieds with its season finale. The Virginia is for Racing Lovers 200 at Martinsville Speedway. And in Martinsville, Virginia, at the paperclip, Ron Silk enters as the points leader for the Wheeland Modifieds with a 13-point gap over title rival Justin Bonsignor for a showdown to close out the Mont season and crown a champion. Again, that'll be Thursday evening for the NASCAR Wheeland Modifieds. Friday, no races on Friday, surprisingly, is the World of Outlaws a weekend off before it finishes out its season in two weeks in Charlotte. But no races on Friday except open practice at Ona Speedway starting at noon for what awaits on Saturday, where on Saturday, finally, it's here for the local racing fans here in uh, Huntington and Ona and really the tri-state area. The Mountaineer 100 weekend at Ona Speedway is here. Again, the 2023 edition of the Yes Chevrolet, Yes Ford Mountaineer 100 is going to take place on Saturday at Ona Speedway to cap off its incredible 60th anniversary season of racing to crown another legend in the Mountain State's biggest paved oval race. Matt DeMitt, fresh off of winning his first ever Midwest Modified title, is going to attempt to make history on Saturday and try and win his third straight Mountaineer 100. Again, in the Modifieds, but not without steep competition and a full slate of racing. Scheduled as of now, 240 laps of racing across five features. is going to bring forth the best drivers in the region to compete for a purse of $25,000. Yes, that's right. With racing beginning at 4.30 p.m. on Saturday, Verona's final race weekend of 2023. I'll be on the call for that at Ona, so it's going to be an absolute thrill. Uh, we'll be talking about that later on in the show. Meanwhile, in other modified action, the Smart Mod Tour is going to be at Orange County Speedway in North Carolina for the Rumble at Rougemont, which is its season finale. Burt Myers enters the championship leader, 61 points to the good. Over second place in the title race, Brandon Ward. Carson Lofton still in the title race, too, even being 84 points back. So the Smart Mod Tour is going to close up its season also on Saturday. And then finally, also on Saturday, a lot of things happening Saturday. NASCAR's first top three series action of the weekend with the Xfinity Series racing at Martinsville for 250 miles of action in its final race of its playoffs round of eight. Again, with the 250 miles around the paperclip to decide which four drivers will race for a title next weekend at Phoenix. There's going to be some desperation moves, presumably in that race by a couple drivers that are pretty dang good at short tracks. Chandler Smith, Sheldon Creed, watch out. Sunday, 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 going to close out the racing slate uh, here in America and around the world. The NASCAR Cup Series ends the round of eight in the playoffs at Martinsville again for some short track action. The paper clip in the penultimate race of the year for Cup, 2 p.m. for 500 miles of action in race number nine of ten in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Also on at the same time on Sunday afternoon is the Mexican Grand Prix for Formula One live from Circuit Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez in Mexico City. That race beginning at 4 p.m. for a double dosage of racing action on 
Sunday afternoon in North America. Also on Sunday is race 26 of the Repcar Supercars Championship with the series traveling to the streets of Surfer's Paradise on the Gold Coast of Australia for the Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500 in the V8 Supercars. So, it's a busy weekend of racing around the country and around the world. Uh, hopefully you get to tune in or attend something of that because it's going to be one heck of a weekend. So we'll take another quick break here on Speed Zone and when we come back it's going to be the Racing Roundtable segment where myself, two panelists, are going to talk about some of the hottest topics of this past week in racing. More up next here on Speed Zone. <laughs> This is Usher. I've spent years mentoring youth and have seen how volunteering and service teaches young people the skills they need to become leaders and sets them on the path for success. This is about you. It's about your power. It's about creating change on your terms by volunteering. The truth is you can do anything. Join me in answering the president's call to service. Go to serve.gov today. This message is brought to you by United We Serve and the Corporation for National and Community if you don't want to listen, get your earplugs ready, because we're about to hear some high-octane debate. It's time for the Racing Roundtable, with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Whew, now that that's over, who's at the table today? And who is at the table today? Guess what? We do have multiple guest panelists this week. It's Dale Garrett and Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the show, you two. It's always great to be on. Thank you. <laughs> All right, guys, we've got uh, plenty to talk about tonight. Let's start out with the NASCAR weekend at Homestead. As again, NASCAR was at Homestead Miami Speedway this past weekend. It was some solid races for both the Xfinity Series, or really all three of the Truck Series, Xfinity Series, and the Cup Series. So I just wanted to hear your two's thoughts on it. Dale, let's start out with you. Yeah, you know, a uh, great weekend race in Homestead. Um, the Xfinity Series, just want to point out the... Dale Jr. Josh Berry incident. That was uh, quite the send-off there by the boss man of Dale Jr. to squeeze his driver up into the wall. Of course, we all know it wasn't intentional, but uh, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, no, no! <laughs> oh man, he got a little confused. He, he did. He thought he was in the middle, and then well, he was in the middle, but he thought he was on the outside. He's like, I didn't know it was a car up there. <laughs> He thought he was in the 8 again. <laughs> that was my immediate thought, because he was driving the 88 yes. on Saturday, and I was like, oh, he probably thought he was in the 8. <laughs> We're like, 8's on the outside, and he's like, okay, I'm in the 8 again. <laughs> I'm on the outside. Um, uh, yeah, good racing all around. Um, the cup side, lots of lead changes. We were one shy from breaking the lead change record at Miami with 25. The record was 26, set in 2011, and we all know that race and what it's infamous for. So oh, yeah. To, to be uh, almost there action-wise, as far as up front goes, is pretty awesome. And uh, as always, Miami with multiple grooves, just great weekend of racing all around. I, ag I agree. It was another exciting week of, ra uh, week of racing up front, and it's more specifically in the, in, in the cup. Uh, in, in the cup race, what I'm talking about at least. Uh, there's clean racing up front. There's <laughs> not as fun for you, Dale, but it was funny for me to see Larson run right into the barriers <laughs> in pit lane. Oh, it was funny. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you missed that part, Kyle Larson, Finn, Dale Garrett. I have to, <laughs> I have to laugh at that. I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was a great run from Bell at the end, too, and it seemed like Blaney just ran 
better all day. And the run that he's had in these playoffs from negative 26 down to now up 10 points in, in the final spot. Well, it could be the final, well, is going to be the final spot in a week. But the thing I'm surprised with out of this week, I didn't, I didn't realize how many fans really loved Homestead as a track in, in terms of like the racing there, not just the implications that it's had in the playoffs and missing it being the uh, final spot, but just loving it as a track. I don't know if my memory has really uh, failed me or, or whatever it may be, but I never remembered there being that many people really shouting from the rooftops of the quality of racing that this track has that like I've seen in this past week. I think it dipped a little bit with the uh, NA18D package. Like when it was the high drag package in the Cup Series the past couple of years before the next gen car, uh, it, it dipped a little bit because I mean drivers really weren't able to run how Homestead at least has aged. You know, you can still run the wall, but you really the horsepower was hemorrhaged and throttle was choked to oblivion. Uh, now the car's got a little more horsepower in them. They got less downforce. Uh, and overall, I mean, they are designed... The next-gen car is designed to be perfect at a place like Homestead, where these cars can take a beating, and you can run the wall. And you can't run the wall too hard, or else you could cut a tire. We saw with Denny Hamlin. But uh, you can. these cars can take one heck of a beating on the outside. And you know, you're not going to cut a tire. You're not going to have to come down pit road and replace the tires. I mean, back you go all the way back to the... Um, Gen 6 car had the horsepower to make races at Homestead exciting, but if you hit the wall, I mean, really, your race was over. Uh, whereas with the next-gen car, you hit the wall, you just keep on going. And you keep on hitting the wall again and again and again and again until it just until finally you cut a tire or maybe you spin out or maybe you run into, uh, maybe you run into some sand barrels. And that destroyed the front end of Newman's car. Well, I mean, it's, uh, that was a valiant effort by Larson. But he was just trying to chomp off some of the lead of Blaney uh, under braking, heading into pit road. But uh, it, it just, you know, it <laughs> it it didn't end so well, did it, Dale? All I'm going to say is just thank goodness for Vegas because we'd be in a hole right now. <laughs> and the last time I remember seeing a collision with the barrels like that was another five car, Casey Kane at Pocono years, mm-hmm. years ago. <laughs> Yeah, he uh he hit the pit wall or in the inside there he spun around in the in the Aquafina car. Yes. Yeah, that was, it was a cool paint scheme. Infamous, I was there live. The infamous Aquafina Chevrolet SS. <laughs> it was uh I, I thought the Xfinity Series race was was fine. I mean, it was I love Homestead because it's perfect for really a all of these cars. I mean, I would say the worst way race of the weekend was the truck series race, and that's because the trucks are high downforce. And it's like the lower downforce you have with the current setup at Homestead, the better, where you just have guys just running the wall perfectly to try and make things happen. I, I laughed quite a bit, because uh, Christopher Bell, who again won the race in the cup side, uh, he and his crew chief were talking like halfway through the race, and they're like, hey bud, you're only 19th. And he's like, oh, okay. And he jokingly said, oh, I'll start trying. <laughs> and then he went on to win the race. So I, I 
said last week I wouldn't be shocked if Bell would walk away from Homestead a winner because he's very much a dirt track guy. It's a track suited towards that dirt style of racing. I mean, you have Larson and Bell up front. Larson dominated, and then you have a guy like Ryan Blaney where dirt's in his family. It's in his bloodline, and he ran well. Uh, hasn't always run well at Miami, but it was a perfect storm this time around. And then, uh, But Bell came out on top. It was uh, an exciting race. Uh, it it delivered everything that I wanted from a homestead race in the cup side. Uh, shocker, though, with Truex and Hamlin, though. Where, mm-hmm. like, what was Hamlin doing racing Blaney that hard with that many like laps to go? I, I get why, maybe, but he was over-aggressive. He was being himself. <laughs> it is what we've seen out of Hamlin for a majority of this year. His with entire career. Drivers. Yeah. He, uh, I mean, obviously he he dumped Kyle Larson earlier this year at Kansas, and what else am I missing? Cha- did his feud with Chastain, yeah, with Chase years. Elliott. Yep. Oh, Elliott, Pocono, that's too, Larson. Pocono, Pocono, and Larson this time instead of Chastain last mm-hmm. year. Uh, was this racing Blaney incredibly aggressively? Blaney didn't do anything wrong to him, and then you know fate just has its way. Karma works, and the eleven car ended up out of the race, and then Truex just is. <laughs> Miserable streak in the playoffs continued. Where I mean, blown motor. I mean, what I know he was complaining all day, but uh, was clearly not happy with the car. But I mean, just the icing on the on the cake, so to say, was that blown motor for the nineteen. Johnny Morris gave the better motor to the eighty-eight Xfinity car. <laughs> oh, you know, it's he probably yeah he probably did, and then. Uh, uh, overall, uh, Bell is just the new closer, um, even though he doesn't want to acknowledge it. I mean, he just gets it done in the playoffs when he needs to get it done. Did it at Martinsville last year. I'm sure he's very thankful he's not having to go into Martinsville again below the cutoff line because I know that uh, his Toyota teammate, Tyler Reddick, who has never been very good at Martinsville, is probably not too happy that he's 10 below the cut line entering. Uh, Truex has obviously had some success at Martinsville, but the team has been so off in the playoffs. I mean, it's going to, it's going to need more than luck uh, next Saturday or next Sunday or this upcoming Sunday. What am I talking about? And then Denny Hamlin can certainly get it done in Martinsville, but will he get in his own way or will something that he has done earlier this year catch up to him? I guess we'll have to wait and see. And then Chris Buescher, the 17 machine is just kind of disappeared in the second half of the playoffs, so he'll need to do something to win on Sunday if he wants to make it into the next round. But we'll move on to the next topic. <laughs> As we'll keep it on Homestead briefly, but uh, you mentioned Sean. You're like, yeah, I don't really remember this overwhelming affinity for Homestead. And then Dale, you mentioned that you know everybody remembers the fantastic 2011 race with Carl Edwards, Tony Stewart battling for the championship. Uh, you know, with some of the with the short track package with an next gen car not exactly needing, not exactly being where it needs to be, and the season ending at a short track in Phoenix. Uh, do you think NASCAR should return to Miami for the finale in the near future, replacing Phoenix? Because Phoenix already locked in for next year's finale, too. But past 2024, you think NASCAR should go back to Miami? Sean, we'll start with you. If we have a car, or if NASCAR has a car, I should say, that's that runs similar to this in the next couple of years, then sure. But I'm not as pro, excuse me, pro-moving phoenix out of the championship spot as a lot of people seem to be and i i get 
I get why Phoenix hasn't exactly been the most exciting track as as of late. It was in the bottom five in the Jeff Gluck poll of the good race poll. Yeah, the good race poll. I I, I get it, and obviously 2011, but that's it, it's it's comparing every year of racing to the highest example of what we've seen at Homestead in which is, tw- in 2011. Which is why it's at Phoenix. It's yeah. the same problem. It suffers from the same problem. But continue. But it's it, it it sounds like another scenario of what we've seen throughout this or what we've heard throughout this season of not not going to change the car per se, but first firstly trying to go, well, how can we move the schedule to fit around the car when I believe it should try and at least be the other way around, of, tr- of trying to fix the car before we go fixing the schedule, even though that may be a, a, a more temporary fix, an easier fix, whatever it may be. But I, I, I believe it should go to that first, other than trying to fit the schedule around the car. So that's just my thoughts. But in, in the next couple of seasons, possibly, but just give it a little bit. I would love to see it personally. However, back when we had Homestead Miami as the finale, I want to say that there was conversations about moving the finale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here we are again, just a few years into Phoenix. You know, everybody talks about they want the finale to move. Well, now they want it back at Homestead. It's the quintessential unhappy NASCAR yep. fan base. That's, that's, that's what I remember, too, because that, what I was thinking... And and my argument of I, I don't really remember this output of support was I remember fans arguing back then of oh I I miss when the finale was in Atlanta and mm-hmm. not in Homestead and I I miss when it was uh, the, how the way the schedule was back I then I miss when the finale was at Riverside it's yeah that sort of argument but more so Atlanta specifically being one of the ones that I remember being talked about a lot and as you mentioned going from Homestead and oh well we we should change it to now where we did change NASCAR did change it and now we want it changed again it's it's a story we've heard many times over call me an unhappy NASCAR fan but I want it back at Homestead I thought the race I think with the next gen car it is the perfect place to end the season because this is the quintessential track designed for these cars where. These uh, the next gen car handles the best. It drives the best. It races the best on mile and a half tracks. And Homestead is really the only perfect oval track in the entire series when it comes to being a mile and a half. It's not. There's nothing odd about it. Where there's no like gimmick with concrete or something like Dover. But it's it's the perfect track for this car. You can enter it. You can end it under the lights it's in a big city. The crowd is usually pretty good. It's better when the finale is there. And then. Uh, I I would personally love to see the finale return to this track, but then again, I completely understand what you guys are saying, where I I think it's the eternal battle that NASCAR has with its fans and itself of, you know, should we have a rotational championship track, kind of like the Super Bowl, or uh, should we stay somewhere for a while? And it did that with Homestead Miami, did that with Atlanta, did that uh, before, but I mean... I don't know. I would like to see at least another uh, with the next-gen car championship at Homestead. 
I, I don't think uh, it would be intriguing to see. Maybe if the if the short track package gets fixed with this car, then you know whatever it's going to say. So you're like, put it back at, put it back at Phoenix. Yeah. Put it back in Phoenix. That's put it back at you know again, some short track. Again, if if we go back to well, these tracks work best with with this uh, this gen car, and the and this is what the fans like. Well, then the mm. entire schedule is just going to be mile and a half tracks, mile and, high, mile and a half type tracks, and then Chicago, mm. and that's basically going to be it. That's going to be the entire schedule. Is, is mm. just Kansas, Charlotte. It's funny. This, sh- uh, Chicago, and then a bunch of tracks that race similar to them. It's funny how like <laughs> this. Like it, the schedule that NASCAR had probably like ten years ago would be perfect for this car. <laughs> it's like the less amount of short tracks and then as many 1.5 milers and and on the schedule as possible to try and maximize the value out of the investment that like SMI and ISC. And remember in. how everybody said we need to change this. This is old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah, <laughs> look how that worked out. All right, so we'll move on to the next topic. <laughs> This is relatively breaking news today. This is not like breaking news a minute ago, but this is just a mere an hour or two ago, really. Jesse Love uh, shocked the NASCAR world today, left TRD, which is Toyota Racing Development, uh, for Chevy. He's going to be heading to the Richard Childress Racing number 2 car, sponsored by Whelan, full-time in the Xfinity Series next year. Wanted to hear your two's thoughts on the move and thoughts on this situation. Dale, start with you. It, it's an interesting move. Um, as we know, the Toyota TRD pipeline has kind of been shifting, almost disintegrating in a way. It's not what it used to be, you know, five, ten years ago. Um, but it's definitely an interesting move, him entirely skipping trucks, going from Arca straight to Xfinity. He's taking the Sam Mayer route. Yeah, that's how I'll which call it. I don't know how I feel about that, because mm. Sam Mayer's career early was rough, but right now it's paying off. It took about three years in Xfinity to get it going. Right. I wouldn't be opposed if he did a year or two in trucks to you know, offset that, because I feel like this jump going straight from, you know, when Mayer was in Arca... There was more competition. Not much, but there was more competition. ARCA is on its deathbed. <laughs> eh, well, debatable. Of competitive cars, there's not that many That's uh, fair, but I mean, there's still competition. Okay. Maybe more on the west side cars. than... More in the west yes. than the east, but... Which, it it's definitely an interesting move. And going straight into RCR or Chevrolet here, it's... I don't know. Two only car t- hasn't been too hot the last no, couple years. No, it has years. not been. With a very capable driver, as we know, of Sheldon Creed. I, I'm not really a big fan of the move. I, I, I get the sentiment of why, of why is the, as Sheldon Creed was another similar sort of start where he rose up and then uh, it was very hot early on. And then once he got to Xfinity, struggled and now we're here. But... Jesse Love's only 18 years old, and even though he's dominated in, in ARCA, for one, he's had feuds in the past with Sammy Smith last year at Toledo mm-hmm. after a bump and run. The same with Berlin this year with William Sawalich. He, he's, he has uh, tempers after issues like bumps and runs that could be avoid, avoided if he just calms down. So between that, his age and maturity yeah maturity being an issue 
and just the fact that there were only five other drivers that ran a, that ran a full schedule in ARCA last in, in this this year, and four of them were rookies. Mm-hmm. So going straight up to Xfinity to the Xfinity series, I don't agree with. I I think it would be much more beneficial if he went to if he went to trucks first. But to my understanding. There weren't really many spots for him to go to in Toyota, and there was a whole thing there. So maybe it just uh, there wasn't as much availability, and he thought it was a better opportunity. Whatever. But I feared it could be a similar situation of history repeating itself, where you have another situation with Sheldon Creed, where he uh, rose up very quickly and was a hot name, and then gets to Xfinity and then struggles early, and then we're back at the exact same situation. Maturity-wise. I don't really love the move. Huh. <laughs> Good one. Isn't that very funny? No. Yeah. The, uh, but for Chevy, I love the move. I think it is a fantastic pickup for Chevy. Uh, you steal away one of TRD's best prospects right after, and we'll talk about this on the next topic, but after the Chandler Smith news this past week, um, you're getting... <laughs> it's like a, a trade, almost, so to say. I mean, it, it wasn't, but... It's almost a trade, but I would say Toyota got the better end of the deal because Smith is an Xfinity winner and you know went up through the truck series and had the normal development. And then Jesse Love has been mired in ARCA the last couple of years primarily because of his age, but the talent is there. The maturity, I don't know if it's there because he's had... He had some incidents this past year, and I mean, young drivers will have that, but uh, I mean, the talent level is certainly there, but you know what it, it was with Sheldon Creed, he won a Truck Series championship, and then went up to RCR in the two-car, which was a, uh, a car and a program that had won two straight titles with Tyler Reddick, and then he's been, he missed the playoffs the first year, and this year he is on the far outside looking in, heading into Martinsville, and he's going to have to Hail Mary it, if he's going to want to make it into the championship four. But with regards to Jesse Love, and this is this is a tough blow, I would say, for TRD and Tricon Garage, because I, I just want to mention, I found this funny, uh, Jesse Love Jr., again on his Twitter today, he just typed out 330 ET, period, right? That was the tweet. And then Tricon Garage responded to it in all lowercase, oh yeah, question mark, as if it was like expecting... Something and what makes it funny is because Love was contractually signed to Tricon for next year. He was going to drive 15 races in. He was going to drive 15 races in a split truck with William Sawalich, and Tricon's like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, we know what you're talking about. Tricon's been announcing drivers all all week for its truck team next year. Announced Dean Thompson yesterday, uh, Corey Heim on Monday. Yeah, you, Jesse's just going to announce it. You know, well. He's coming. He's coming to our team, right? Right? <laughs> no, no, it isn't. Uh, he he bypassed them for RCR and Xfinity. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure that didn't that didn't go over well in the TRD racing camp. But uh, I mean, we've talked about it on this show before. I mean, we've criticized Ford for regards of how it's handled its talent pool, but like. Man, TRD loses another one in Jesse Love. Mm-hmm. It's just rough. That's why I said TRD's crumbling in a way. I mean, it's just not able to sustain. You know, it did the inverse strategy of what it usually does, where it usually rushes people up through the ladder, and now it's keeping guys down. You know, it's it's Corey Heim is good enough to 
be in the Xfinity Series next year. He's probably going to win a Truck Series title this year. He's been the most dominant driver by far in that series. That's what we said about William Byron in 2016. Yeah. And then... But it didn't happen. Well, that did. He went up and won an Xfinity title the well, next year. He didn't win the Truck title. No, he didn't win the Truck title. That is true. He had, he had some issues at the end of the season, but... Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Um, with regards to TRD and Love, I mean, I think it's worth a leap. You know, it kind of worked out with Sam Mayer. It's now coming to fruition. But I mean, is RCR going to wait around for three years? While this takes shape and place, I mean, who knows if Love will come up and he'll be a contender right off the bat? Or I would expect him to be pretty solid on the short tracks. Maybe some of the 1.5 milers, but he's going to struggle on the road courses, mm-hmm. which there's still a decent amount of. Uh, and then whatever tracks the trucks or the trucks or ARC has never raced on before, I mean, he'll have no experience there. I'm predicting a very up and down rookie season for Jesse Love next year in the two car. I mean, it's not like it's going to be the equipment's fault, but I don't know. He's going to have to mature a lot as a driver, and he's a very young driver. But he'll have to mature a lot or in a short period of time because now, now he's one step shy of the big leagues. Mm-hmm. He's one step shy of the show. And right now, <laughs> he's got a lot to learn. So we'll move on to the next topic. <laughs> Mentioned it in the last topic, but Chandler Smith and Colleague Racing finally parted ways this past week. Chandler Smith going to Joe Gibbs Racing's Xfinity team in 2024. Chandler was pretty at least semi-vocal about some of the issues he was having with Colleague and Chris Rice really brought that up after the team's Cup Series Roval victory. And, you know, there was clearly some tension there. So I, I just wanted to hear your two's thoughts on this move for 2024. You think it's good for Smith? You think it's good for Colleague Racing? What are your thoughts? Sean, we'll start with you. I think this is a good move for Smith. I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I mean, Smith has been... We all know that Smith has been trying to get out of his colleague deal for a long while now, and in that sense, I'm I'm more just glad that the saga is over. I remember maybe two weeks ago or so, when I was on the show alone with you, Ben, we talked about how he just completely rained on the parade of A.J. Allmendinger's win at, uh, I believe, Watkins Glen, where he... That was the Roval. Oh, it was the Roval, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Watkins Glen in the playoffs next year, though. Yes, uh, but just completely raining on his parade, where AJ Allmendinger had to step in and be like, "Hey, we're we're, we're celebrating a win here." Well, it was the reporters. Really. It was Jordan Bianchi of the Athletic was was asking Chris Rice doing, after the race, doing Jordan Bianchi things. <laughs> uh, he was just asking him and poking him for information. Hey, is it true that Smith's going to be gone for next year? Because, you know, there have been some rumblings throughout the season that Jalen Smith has not been very happy there and has tried every which way to get out of that contract. And finally, it was a buyout that decided it. It was apparently a buyout. That's what Matt Weaver said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I trust Matt Weaver a lot. One of the best motorsports reporters in America, especially with short track stuff, and does a lot on the NASCAR side too. But had to retract his statement a little bit because it wasn't official yet. But effectively, it was a buyout for TRD spent the money to get Chandler Smith back on its side and bought him out of colleague because he had two more years left on his contract to colleague. Not just one, two more. That probably was with the aspirations of probably a cup ride entering that mm-hmm. contract. He ran cup races this year for colleague and wasn't terrible. I mean, he was fine. He was, you know, was rookie. Ran primarily plate races, but uh, I think it is great for Smith. 
ends up in the best equipment in the Xfinity garage, bar none. I mean, Gibbs stuff is head and shoulders above everything else. And I have really no doubt that he's probably going to win bare minimum five races next year. Uh, that's my hot take. Is Bored. I think, I think he'll win at least five races in the Xfinity series next year um, in in that equipment. But I, I think for a team bonding and chemistry standpoint, it's good for colleague because when you have something that doesn't work, sometimes you just got to move on from it. Like it, it just wasn't working between Chandler Smith and colleague and mm-hmm. it was clearly causing a distraction from within with colleague this year. So to move on from that, you get some money from the buyout. Now you're left with a pretty big void. What the heck is it going to do on the Xfinity side next year? It still doesn't have a second cup driver for next year. Uh, Bob Pockris mentioned earlier today the favorite for that ride is Ty Dillon, of which, you know, Ty Dillon, very nice guy, nice driver, has accomplished a lot in his career, but isn't exactly known as a, I would say, a lion in the cup series. And that would make a cup lineup of Daniel Hemrick and Ty Dillon, which, in my opinion, I don't really know if either of those cars would make the playoffs or even sniff it. Trophy hunting, right? Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, But, you know, besides play tracks, I wouldn't really see that combination working out if that does happen for next year. So we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, uh, we mentioned earlier Sheldon Creed going to be a free agent because he's not in the two car next year. Maybe he maybe he ends up in the in the Colley Cup car. Maybe he ends up at Gibbs with Smith. There's just been rumors of him going which way all over the place. So we'll just have to see uh, and hear. But um, overall, I like the move for Smith. Dale, did you have a make a point on this? I'll let you talk. I just was going to say he didn't really give it a chance. Um, you know, it's. Clearly, he's been unhappy for a little while, but not even one full season in. I mean, he got a win with them, and he's been running up front really all year long. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe he didn't feel like they gave gave him what he needed to to win certain races. But that's just part of it, especially when you're a rookie in a series. And you have your ebbs and flows. Yeah, and I believe when it was uh, when he was at TRD the first time, I believe it was Kyle Busch while he was mentoring him. Uh, suggesting that colleague was a good option at first and then not uh, he, he, like you said he just doesn't even give it a year after being yeah. told that so it's wild and he he went the roses you know the grass was greener on the colleague side a year ago and then now the grass is a lot less green and he's seeing that with i mean the cup team and the xfinity team and who knows with a sponsorship situation too mm. who knows if quick tie will even be back next year which has been the majority sponsor on the 16 machine in the xfinity series all year long i mean yes sometimes when when you're a hot ticket item you go where the grass is green you go where you're wanted and if you have guys on the toyota racing development side of the table saying we are willing to buy you out of this contract to have you come race for us on the xfinity side you take that deal. That's why Jesse Love took that deal. He was going to be mired in the truck series on a part-time or on a part-time basis and have to run ARCA full-time again. Uh, presumably wanted full-time somewhere, and they said, "Well, even though you're 18, we don't really have a space for you, so you're going to have to run ARCA again." Mm-hmm. What would you choose? Part-time in a truck or full-time in one of the best cars in the Xfinity series? You know, it's like you, you take that leap when it's available to you, whether it's the right timing or not. And for Smith, I don't think his performance was necessarily bad. I mean, heck, he made the round of eight in the, mm-hmm. in the playoffs. I mean, he's eighth of eight right now, but after a rough Homestead Miami, but uh, he could win 
Martinsville and then finish in the top four. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay, so we'll move on to the next topic. Where it was a mess at Tri-County this past weekend in the in the Pro Late Mods specifically. The late, the late model stock cars were nice and clean. You know, mm-hmm. the race was relatively drama-free. A little surprising considering Steven Nassi and Giro Ruggiero were in that race after their... Uh, fun interaction after the Winchester 400 on the ASA side, but uh, it was um, it was uh, I'm gonna bust his ass. <laughs> it was a bit of a weekend at Tri County, per usual, and uh, you know I wanted to hear your guys' take and thoughts on what happened. Where just as a bit of a description, if you didn't watch that race on the Cars Tour, uh, Carson Cavop or Caden Cavopel, brother of Carson, both sons of former NASCAR champion Travis Kavopel. Uh He <laughs> won the Pro Late Model race by by uh, by what? Ref, referee decision? Officials decision? He was running third at the stripe. Or really second, but uh, after, and this was, this was after uh, it was a bit of a wreck where Gavin Bushell in his Rackley WAR 25 car, late model Pro Late Model it was penalized. He intentionally wrecked Ashton Higgins for the win in the final set of corners. Uh, Kavopel's evening, also he collided with Katie Hedinger early on in the race and wadded up everybody on the backstretch entering turn three. It was a it was a messy pro late model race at at, at Tri County, and Caden Kavopel came out on top. But there was a lot of people unhappy with how that race ended up in the late model stock cars. Butterbean won. Everybody seems pretty happy about that. There were really no issues, but uh, I guess the what I'm trying to say here is this: your thoughts on the situation and thoughts on <laughs> pro late model racing, late model racing in general, with the uh, show, so to say, on on Saturday. Dale, I'll start with you. Yeah, uh, it was Tri County Speedway was the place to be on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you mentioned, Ben, uh, Katie Hedinger got took out, taken out by. Caden Quapple. Um, Touched off a turn two. Yeah. Which, squirrely down the back stretch. I mean, you know, it's it, it's not a... They're trading paint a little bit off the corner. Right. Beating and banging. And then Hedinger's ultimately... 80, 81 got sent around. Ultimately, it wrecked Hedinger, which she was dominating at that point. Yes. She was out front, school in the field, and a caution set that up and caused that huge pileup going into three. You know, she has a right to be upset, you know, um, especially getting roughed up like that Mm. after dominating, you're going to be frustrated. And then she proceeds to retaliate um, (laughs) immediately after the green flag is thrown. I don't really know if that was a good move. No, (laughs) it was was not. It was not. Um, But, you know, obviously frustrated. Uh, I don't believe she has had much success on the Cars Tour side, which is probably part of that frustration. Yeah. it's been up and down. Yes, and moving on from that, the last lap incident between Ashton Higgins and Gavin Boschel. <sighs> Higgins got wrecked. He got flat out wrecked. It was, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, he had every right to be upset for sure, no doubt. The twenty-five being Gavin Boschel did not even attempt to pass Ashton Higgins. They were side by side through turns one and two. You had. 
Higgins on the outside, Beauchelle on the inside, and then, you know, down the short back straightaway, Tri-County is a real small track. Mm-hmm. And then you go into turn three, the 25 just drove straight up the track into the nine, sent the nine of Higgins straight into the outside wall. I mean, it bent, it screwed up the chassis. Mm-hmm. Higgins is not going to be able to race the rest of the year because of that incident. He was said that on his Twitter. He's like, you know, thanks for everybody for supporting me this this racing year, but I can't race. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost a lot of money to fix this car. Bochelle drove into Higgins in one and two, and then, of course, again in three and four, and it was enough to wreck him. He just he did not have position. First of all, wasn't even close to having position. Just sent it in there with reckless abandon, no regard. And, and took out a guy, and it's also worthy to point out that Bochelle driving a Rackley WAR mm-hmm. late model. Ashton Higgins, I'm pretty sure, was a family Independent. team. Yep. That's another issue you have, mm-hmm. is, you know, it's just not, not a good look for Bochelle or Rackley WAR or anybody. Uh, definitely needs to reevaluate what he's doing out there for sure. But, uh, yeah, and then Caden Quapple gifted the win in this case. Drove from the back to front twice. It, it, well, it was impressive. Back to, fr- back to front and then back to third place. Yes. <laughs> almost, almost, last almost the front. Almost and the he front. was fourth at the white flag. He yeah. passed the guy on the, I forgot who it was, mm-hmm. he passed the guy on the white flag, and that was the race-winning move. It was uh, Chase Berta. Oh, who got no. By. Chase Berta. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it was, albeit entertaining, mm. But, man. John, your thoughts? Just not, I mean, obviously not a lot of smart moves made between those two incidents, between Hedinger trying to get retaliation immediately after the green flag and the the issue with uh, with Higgins and Bochelle. It's just uh, more of a case of just inexperience and and impatience all around, not just on the track with Bochelle, Dumping Higgins in the last in the last turn, but Higgins wasting no time jumping out of the car and over the pit wall and just punching the the side window of Bochelle's car. I mean, on a side note, between that and the Crafton the Matt Crafton incident we saw in trucks a couple of weeks ago, what is it with drivers not finding the right time? to to fight if they really feel that way. Matt Crafton waits hours after a race to do so. And then here's Ashton Higgins waiting, wasting no time at all. But anyways... <laughs> Ran across a live racetrack. Yeah, that, an, uh, that no-no. too. Yes. That too. Live. <laughs> live as well. But it's, it's just a case of inexperience and just impatience, tempers flaring all around, and all you can really hope for is that they just learn as they move up the ranks more than anything else. There were some penalties handed out Mm -hmm. as a result of all the drama at the race. Uh, Hettinger got a one-race suspension for her incident, (laughs) so for intentionally wrecking Caden Kavapel. Higgins received probation for the remainder of the season and will be and was fined five hundred dollars for his unauthorized crossing of the racing service to confront another competitor. Well, Higgins isn't going to race anyway. His car's junk. No, his car's junk. <laughs> yeah, more out of But here's the thing, though, is that Carstewer said the fine must be paid before returning to the series. So one way or another, he's got to pay up five hundred bucks before mm-hmm. he comes back. And then <laughs> Gavin Michelle. Uh, received only probation for the remainder of the season for rough driving. So Hattinger got a race 
Michelle didn't get anything. I don't agree with that, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't agree with it either, but... Uh, it's a mess. Uh, kids that have a lot of money and fantastic opportunities in racing... I mean, it's the age-old tale. You just need to race with a little more respect, and sometimes you have you learn that the hard way, and Michelle's going to learn that the hard way one mm-hmm. day. He didn't learn it at Tri-County, <laughs> and uh, one day he will, but it's he's only 15, so... So? Uh, no, I know. I'm, <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that he has time left to learn, but i got to learn pretty quickly. I mean, there's 15-year-old drivers out there that race with a lot more respect than he did. Somebody will take care of him. Yeah. All right, on to the next topic. Let's talk a little bit about the Mountaineer 100 this weekend. Oh, Dale boy. and I will we'll, we'll chat on this one. Sean, you'll get a break uh, before we move on to talk about some dirt racing news. But uh, talk about the Mountaineer 100 this weekend. 240 laps of racing, Dale. You may or may not be racing, but we'll just have to see. But uh, no matter what, there's going to be a lot of racing, and it's going to be pretty exciting on Saturday. It will be. It's one of my favorite events of the year for sure it's ona's biggest race a lot of money on the line a lot of cars from out of state traveling Um, four states at least as of now for for the the mountain 100 100. field 100 laps for the modifieds it's it's intense having Mm -hmm. that many race cars on our little racetrack you know um and as far as the other series four three eight miles Yes, mm-hmm. yes, a seven sixteenths, three eighths, whoever you want to ask, mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Brings a lot of people out, and the weather is actually supposed to be warm this weekend. Wonderful, which is uncharacteristic mm-hmm. for this race. It's usually cold. I remember mm. two thousand twenty-one. We were practicing at ten thirty in the morning when it was thirty-five degrees. This is a track service, ladies and gentlemen. If you've never been to Ona Speedway, it was last repaved in nineteen ninety-five. It's or, old. Yeah, it's it's old. It's taken a little bit of a beating. It's like from, driving across the moon. Yeah, and if it's hot on Saturday, it's going to be slick and greasy. Mm-hmm. And modifieds are going to be sliding all over the place because these are the highest horsepower things that really run there. Mm-hmm. Side of, I mean, it's higher than the late models, right? It's supposed mm-hmm. to be good, uh, I would say, up there. It's up there with them. But, but there's supposed to be good field for the late models, too. I mm-hmm. uh, was told by track promoter TJ Lane, my boss, uh, we're expecting about 13. So, oh, wow. yeah, it's going to be a good field. Uh, probably the best all year for the late mods. Uh, the Legends, Dale, you compete in that. Uh, whether it's supposed to be combined again mm-hmm. so far for this weekend. So, I mean, it'll be the biggest Legends field probably all year long. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, also going to have a decent field in the street stocks and you cars too. Mm-hmm. So, there will not be a field with less than 10 cars in it, which right. is great. Compared to, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a solid season of racing in Oda, but the car count's up for the last race. Big Purse brings in everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's a race with historical value, too. Mm-hmm. Go all the way back to when the Cup Series raced at Ona, all the way back in the 60s, and it ran the Mountaineer 500. Mm-hmm. This is an honoring of that. And, I mean, we're going to have four former champions running the race of the 100, where uh, Steve, uh, Steve Haas, Josh Artis, uh, Benny Hickel, or my bad, there's more than that. I think it's five. Matt DeMitt, Doug Meyer. So Brennan, six. Six. So six former winners of the race will be back to try and win again. Mm-hmm. DeMitt's going to try and go for his third straight after winning a Midwest Mod title. So DeMitt will certainly be a driver to keep an ear out for. But uh, DeMitt, very good. But he'll have some steep competition this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It, it will certainly be fun. Again, that'll be uh, Saturday at 4.30. So if, you want, if you're in the area and you want to go... Watch some exciting racing, the biggest racing of the year. It's at Ona Speedway. 
So on to the second to last topic tonight. Tony Stewart sold the All-Star Circuit of Champions, which is a dirt racing series, to Kyle Larson and Brad Sweet. Runs the same cars that World of Outlaws runs. Have the dirt racing wars begun as two of World of Outlaws and dirt racing's biggest stars have purchased a rival dirt series. Sean, I'll start with you on this one. Yes. yeah, Yes, it does. It's, it's going to be interesting for Brad Sweet, for example, as he's a World of Outlaws driver, but also owning a competitor company. We'll see what happens with him in terms of driving, if he tries to make a move over to Circuit of Champions now that he's an owner, or however that may go. Mm. But Larson will run part-time, and, I mean, Sweet runs, he's full-time in World of Outlaws. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that'll be interesting. But continue, sorry. But this isn't only the first the first time that there's been a competitor in of, of World of Outlaws, in dirt, and not only, and also not the first time that Tony Stewart tried to make one as well as he did back in 2005. There was the National Sprint Tour around that same time, but that was only one season. The USA Sprint Car Series back in 1989, that was just one season. So there have been a couple of other attempts to try and do this, but this is the first one that really seems like it has the money behind it and not as many hopefully not as many unfortunate circumstances as the national sprint tour had where it raced a full season even took away some full-time world of outlaws teams but folded after one season due to the death of its promoter and fred brownfield so hopefully it not only has the money to do so but also add some competition is world of outlaws has seemed like it's been a lot tighter in the way that its drivers can compete and Mm. and where it can compete in only sanctioned events or tracks and all of that. So It's been at its best the past couple of years. Uh, Dale, your thoughts? It's certainly interesting that Tony Stewart sold the All-Star Circuit of Champions to Larson and Brad Sweet. Um, does it rival it? I'm going to go ahead and say yes, it does. Mm-hmm. It already kind of was. Yeah, it already kind of was, but th- this, is, this is big. Larson will be enough to drag people. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, I don't know who, but... Yeah, and Brad Sweet, don't discount him either. He's a huge mm. name in the world of outlaws Probably and sprint car world. top three name. I mean, he has Napa as a sponsor. Right, I yeah. Mean, it's one of the biggest sponsors in World of, Outla- in world of Outlaws. Mm-hmm. And I, my only fear is World of Outlaws had a TV deal with ESPN back in, I want to say, the 2000s. And once that kind of fell off, the World of Outlaws popularity fell off dramatically amongst race fans. There's it's more niche now, yes, yes. but still has great crowds, but it's, you know, it's not on TV. Right. So you have to pay for it on streaming. Mm-hmm. Which, you know... <sighs> Larson could exercise that star power, probably get mm-hmm. all-star on. I mean, ESPN has been willing to go after SRX. Right. Put it on TV. I mean, Thursday Night Thunder, you know what else was on that? Dirt racing. What about mm-hmm. laws? So, I mean, if ESPN wants to go after that, it certainly it could. could. Yeah, but... I don't know. It'd be interesting. I, as of now, I'm going to say no. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say no. The Dirt Wars have not started, even though this is an interesting purchase. I will say the Dirt Wars will start. Dirt Racing Wars are going to start if Sweet leaves. And mm-hmm. Larson exclusively goes and runs All-Star Race Champions. Because I don't think, or All-Star Circuit of Champions, excuse me, where I don't think... Larson wants to ultimately drag down World Outlaws because it's something he loves, grew up watching probably religiously. Same thing with Brad Sweet. I don't think they want to kill 
what are the laws, but I don't know what this is in the dirt racing world. Is it a parlay for some sort of power, or is it? Are they purchasing this to try and make it into something, or maybe it merges with World of Outlaws? I don't know. This is it's certainly intriguing, uh, but the wars won't start unless Larson and Sweet and whomever else go over to exclusively race in the All-Star Circuit of Champions. That's that's my take on it. It's a fair take. Yeah. And I lied. We have two more topics, but we'll keep them fairly brief. Formula One news. I mentioned this earlier. This is the one Formula One topic we'll talk about tonight. As Andretti Global and Formula One uh, in a bit of a pickle where I mentioned a couple shows ago, but Andretti Global headed up by Michael Andretti and Mar- and, and you know Mario, obviously. Andretti's one of the biggest names in racing. I've been trying to break into Formula One and it finally got in not long ago and it got approved by the FIA to enter, but uh, some big drama this past week where it was revealed that by apparently multiple insiders said that Formula One was going to General Motors, or I'll say this, this is from Adam Stern, word by word, Andretti can make a case that keeping him out of Formula One is indeed personal. Three different people with direct knowledge of the conversations confirmed to the Associated Press that Formula One, the organization, asked General Motors if it would partner with someone other than Andretti. Oh, oh. I don't like that. Uh, what is what is going on? I, uh, my question to you is: Is F1 in the wrong to try and keep Andretti out, or you know, are the teams in the right to try and protect its its money and its its own turf already in the series, where you know they don't want exactly a team that Andretti hasn't. You know, Andretti won a couple races in IndyCar this year, but you know it hasn't exactly been uh, a championship level organization the past couple of years. Uh, Sean, I'll start with you. Between the uh, the uh, not allegations, but rumors that have been swirling around with uh, the General Motors rumors and uh, Andretti reportedly spending millions of dollars to test a car in a one of the F1 potential F1 cars in a wind tunnel. It, it really seems like Andretti's uh, metaphorically trying to ask out the popular girl, and uh, she and uh, she being F1 is not really interested, but. With with F1, if these rumors are true, it could be in the wrong. But in, in terms of the owners, from what I've read, it sounds more like Andretti might be reading too much into it. Because in that same uh, Associated Press report, it interviewed... Uh, and one of the owners, in the Mercedes, one of the Mercedes owners, Toto Wolf, and he said, I don't know him. And he said, word for word, there's no grudge. If you haven't really met someone, you can't really have a personal grudge. So, and, and it, the Associated Press interviewed mm-hmm. another owner as well, I think one of the other Mercedes owners, and he basically said the same thing. Of, well, I don't really know him. So, in terms of the owners, I don't think there's really a grudge there or any sort of wrongdoing there. It's more of an issue of, uh, it's been reportedly an issue of money. Might be that might be the fact that the last time Michael Andretti ran in F1, the last time an Andretti <laughs> ran in F1, 13 races in a failed 1993 season. Yeah, for McLaren. And I just want to say on the Toto comment, I just <laughs> it's very funny to me, because you know what Toto Wolf said to Michael Andretti back in July? Verbatim, this is an actual quote. He told him, buy a team. <laughs> he said, oh, you want to enter F1? Buy a team. <laughs> 
And then you know what Andretti did? It went. He went and bought a team. And then now Toto's like, well, you know, Toto's been wishy-washy on this entire thing. A lot of the, this has been, from my perspective here, it's been incredibly embarrassing from a lot of the Formula One owners. Where, you know, and Formula One itself, where it talks about growth. It wants to grow. It wants to be be the biggest motorsports in the world. Uh, you know, it's obviously it's expanded a lot in America. It's owned by an American company, Liberty, and. Uh, not mutual, but Liberty Media, uh, and it's putting a lot of effort into expanding in the American side of things. And you have the sec- probably a gigantic American name entering the team. You have the Andretti's. I mean, you already have Haas, but it's been up and down, and Haas has been in some legal issues in the last year or two uh, with regards to the Russia-Ukraine conflict. But I digress. It's embarrassing from Formula One and its teams to not to just preach and say, oh, you know, we want to expand, we want to be great, we want... But as soon as a, a new team comes in that they don't like, or something that's going to rock the boat a little bit, they're like, no, I have my piece of the pie. Don't cut any more of it off. No more teams. No, don't let anybody more in. We're going to keep the set amount that we have right now. It's fine. And then... You know, it just from F1 going as far to ask General Motors, who Andretti tried to partner with, to partner with other manufacturers over Andretti is just. Imagine if NASCAR did that. Imagine if IndyCar did that. Imagine yeah. if NASCAR told a new team entering NASCAR the, the Cup Series. Really doesn't help yeah. F1's image of being. Uh, High class and uh, a country club sort of uh, sort of deal. You could go back to 2013 when there were rumors of Andretti trying to join the Cup Series, and Dodge was kind of on its way out because Penske dropped it. Could you imagine if NASCAR stepped in with Andretti and said, "Whatever you do, don't sign with Dodge if you're going to enter the Cup Series. Let it die." Like, imagine that. That that would just be. That's putrid, it's embarrassing, and I mean, if it's outright true, I mean, Andretti has all the right in the world to have a grudge. And I hope Andretti enters F1 in two years, and then goes up the grid pretty far, and and runs pretty well. So, one more topic tonight. Let's uh, make some predictions for Martinsville, fellas, for Cup and Xfinity. Who wins, who's in the Final Four, and who gets eliminated? Let's uh, start with you, Dale. This is a tough one, as far as who wins and who's the Final Four. Tough for both series. Um... I'll start with my final four for Xfinity. I've got Sam Mayer, who's, of course, locked in. John Hunter has a extremely padded cushion. I don't see him going anywhere. Uh, Cole Custer, I feel like, will make it. And then Justin Allgaier, I can see him making it over Austin Hill. The 21 car just hasn't been where it needs to be these last several weeks. And Justin Allgaier has a little bit more momentum. Um, I have no idea. John Hunter will probably win the race. Big deal. Uh, <laughs> but uh, who'd you say on the Cup side? On the Cup side, ah, man, this is tougher because you got Hamlin, who's good at Martinsville and is in a hole and needs something to happen. But I, I don't know. I don't know if I see him getting it done. I can't even pick a winner. This is tough. Then don't pick a winner. Just go with who gets eliminated. Okay. My my final four is uh, Christopher Bell, Kyle Larson. Of course, they're locked in. Mm -hmm. William Byron has a 30-point cushion. I don't see that going away. He'll be at least the last car on points. And, you know, barring no new winners, Blaney. Because Reddick only has one top ten and seven starts at Martinsville. Yep. 
and I just don't see Busher getting there, and mm. Truex has been Truex. So. Yep. All right, Sean. Let's start with the Xfinity side. Who you got in and out? Uh, I'll just go with Cup because uh, yep. okay. that's uh, that's who uh, who I have down, and also for time purposes as well. Yes. Uh, Larson. Uh, starting with who wins, I'm going to say Larson. It may be an easy pick, but whatever. He's been second and first in his last two Martinsville races. His worst finish since joining Hendrick at Martinsville has been 19th. And as far as who's in. Bell and Larson, obviously, they're already in. Byron, he's 30 points ahead, like Dale said. I also don't see him, uh, barring some sort of catastrophic uh, wreck or collapse of some sort, I don't see him being eliminated. Final spot, I'm going to say, is going to come down between that 10-point gap between Blaney and Reddick, unless Hamlin can win. But I'm also going to say Blaney, just simply based off of, again, his starts in Martinsville. 7th, 3rd, and 4th in his last three races, compared to 22nd, 13th, and 18th. So, just based off of that alone, Blaney's ran better at Martinsville than Reddick has. And unless Hamlin can win, which is certainly possible, he's, he's raced well in Martinsville as well, but I'm going to say Blaney for that final spot. I'll start out with Xfinity. I think Sam Mayer wins again. I All think right. he's got unfinished business at Martinsville. I think he wins another race, second in a row. And I think Mayer wins. If it's not him, I think it'll be another junior motorsports car. I think it'll be Allgaier with a walk-off victory. I think it's either Allgaier or, or Mayer that's going to win the race. I think your final four or Xfinity. Mayer, obviously, is locked in. Phoenix, John Hunter is 44 points above the cut line. I mean, he's in. Uh, Allgaier, I say, gets in. And... I'm going to go with Custer, too. Mm-hmm. I, I like that final four where Austin Hill had issues here last year, and that 21 team hasn't really been up to par here late. I think he'll fall out. I think Sammy Smith will have a good shot to come up short. Same thing with Chandler Smith, and Sheldon Creed is going to go Brian Vickers mode uh, at <laughs> at Martinsville. That two cars is going to take out at least two cars. He's got Vickernism. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's going to take out at least two cars. Very fitting of the number on on. Saturday, but Green's going to drive through some people, in my opinion, to try and get to the front. And then on the cup side, I think your winner will be William Byron. It's the it's the boring pick, I know, but uh, I think Byron will end up winning again. It's, uh, I think he'll be strong, cap it off, head into Phoenix, where he won earlier this year with another win. Why not? I think Byron will be the winner. Uh, your final four, Bell, Larson, Byron with that win, and then... Things have gone too well for Ryan Blaney. Oh, no. They've gone too well, Ooh. and something's going to happen to the 12 car. Don't you say the name I'm thinking. And it's going to be Denny Hamlin. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they got into it. I mean, Blaney called him a hack after Martinsville. He or after he was half joking today. Oh, it's, I, I don't know yeah. if Hamlin is going to see it the same I'm way on the track. I'm so jaded with Blaney's luck. There's no... I, I, I would love to see him in the Final Four. I just don't know if he can do it. He's closed it out. The last round and a half, he's exceeded expectations. I want to see Blaney in the Final Four. I just don't know if it will happen. Something's going to happen. I don't know what. But something always happens with Blaney at Martinsville. Maybe he's not ha- good there. Maybe it'll happen at Phoenix. Maybe it'll Maybe it'll wait a week. It might wait a week. Blaney's good at Phoenix. He is really good at Phoenix. This you know awesome. where he isn't good at? Martinsville. He's not good at Martinsville. But then again, he wasn't good at Miami, and he almost won there this past week. So, Mm -hmm. (sighs) like, in my heart, the final four is Byron Larson, Bell, 
and Blaney. Yes. But <laughs> because of past expectations and happenings, I think Hamlin's... Hamlin was on the wrong side of unbelievable luck last year with the Hail Melon. This year, I think he might do everything right to make it into the next round. No, he beats himself again. <laughs> it, it usually happens at Martinsville, uh, but... It's going to be one heck of a race to watch on Sunday. So uh, with the music rolling in the background, Dale Garrett, Sean Kelly, thank you two for coming on this episode of Speed Zone. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, that will do it for tonight's episode of Speed Zone. Hope you enjoyed. We went a little late, but you know what? We had a lot to talk about. We'll be uh, back next week. It's gonna be a base- There's going to be a basketball game on at our usual time, so uh, presumably after the game, uh, we might pre-record that episode. So uh, stay tuned. Have a good night. Plenty of racing to watch this weekend. Have some fun. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.